dear listener. Thank you for downloading and listening to the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improv comedian that can't do improv because we're still about hip deep in uh, the coronavirus quarantine, even though some places are opening up, not where we are. I am joined today by the lady behind the beeps, the boops, buttons, and all that wonderful thing that makes it possible so that we can still do this every week until we're free to go outside. Miss Chelsea Bennington. Hello. Hello, Chelsea. Hi. How are you holding up in the midst of things? I I am holding up well. Uh, the weather's getting a little bit nicer, which puts me in a better mood. And things have actually been slowly opening up in the area of Queens that I'm in, not to where you can like go in the bar or restaurant and hang out, but one bar that I live near is now serving out of their window so that you can get your drink to go. So it is kind of encouraging to see those things opening up where, and people kind of hanging out, but in a socially responsible way with their masks still on. So that's the important part. It's encouraging to see. The responsible bits. We are joined uh, very suddenly by a guest for this very special episode, Miss Holmes Ratcliffe, the host of the Revolving Door podcast. Hello. Hi, thank you so much for having me and calling me a guest and not a hostage taker. (laughs) (laughs) To give our listeners some background, we were planning a tutorial episode of a film that Chelsea has loved for a very long time. And I'll admit, this is now the fourth time I watched it. And the previous three times it was like, it's okay, but I didn't share the love Chelsea had for it. And uh, throughout the quarantine, I'm posting every movie I'm watching. And this one is no exception. And Holmes does respond like, I love this movie. We've been talking about doing a crossover episode for our podcast. This should be the one. And I said, okay, what are you doing at 530? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, I insinuated myself very quickly into this. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so, so, I'm so grateful. Uh, I'm so what? grateful you guys are letting me... Um, shout at you about this movie yeah i get real excited about this movie (laughs) and and it's the passion (laughs) that i love uh uh, because we are passionate about uh, horror and if you've got if you're kind of bland about something i don't want to fucking talk to you about it um but yeah we do we have done tutorial episodes on this podcast before and it's me usually trying to convince uh people that don't particularly like horror that there's something in it for them but once again with Chelsea here we're turning the tables and I'm the one being taken to school so so, so <laughs> Chelsea yes Miss Bennington if if we're in an educational setting um what do you kindly tell our listeners if, you know they've read the description of this podcast so they know what movie we're talking about but you never know this could, have, this could have come up on their shuffle they had no idea this was the next episode I do that with one podcast I listen to I never know what the next episode's about to be because I have it on like while I'm painting or cleaning anyway I digress Jennifer's body is what we're yes. talking about which um yes I was so excited uh for you to join because um not you Rick because I just love meeting people who also love this movie because it's one of those that like you briefly said earlier before we started recording it was very poorly marketed it wasn't you know given justice it only now is getting that like resurgence uh that it deserves 
um, and Megan Fox is getting the resurgence that she deserves. Um, it's just, it's so good. And I even remember the last time somebody asked me what my top horror films were, I listed Jennifer's body as one of them and that, and they were so taken aback, like, really? Oh, you count that? This is such a wonderful film. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> it's so good. Um, so I was very excited that Rick wanted to, wanted to talk about it and that Holmes wanted to join us. Well, because you feel so strongly about it and I respect your opinion so much. So the first place I'm going to look at is myself. Maybe I'm wrong in this situation and there's only one way to find out. So Holmes, what, would you be so kind as to tell us where your love for this film comes from? You know, I, um, I was a fan of uh, Diablo Cody. And so when yes. this movie was first advertised, I knew I wanted to see it. Um, I, I loved it before it was, before I even saw it. Um, just the fact that it was called Jennifer's Body, which is a whole song yes. from a really good album. And the, I remember seeing the preview and I remember in the preview, there's that line where Amanda Seyfried's character, uh, Needy, says, Jennifer's evil. And her boyfriend's like, yeah. And he's like, no, not high school evil. Yeah. Evil, evil. <laughs> and I was like, I, I identify with that so much as like a girl who's been to high school and was both a victim of evil girls and an evil girl myself. And you know, all the evil girls in high school are really- Wait, you got a damn demon? Hmm? You got a damn demon? I don't want yes. you on this podcast if you you oh, got yes. a demon in here. Yes, I haven't had a pulse since 1994. Uh, uh, yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I've been feeding on teenage boys. Why do you think I have a comedy podcast about sex? <laughs> I'm sorry, Chelsea. I've called something for us, and <laughs> now she has dominion over us. Yeah, I yeah. Top too. Damn. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I love that you brought learning, up that line. It's yeah, so learning good. to learning to eat through this through uh, my computer screen has has been difficult, <laughs> but I've I've made it work. All right, so I got some yeah. protection. Uh, Holmes doesn't know my address. I think I'm going to be okay. Chelsea, you're on your own. Anyway. <laughs> Queens, you say? Yeah. <laughs> no, when you said that, it made me think of the line, uh, hell is a teenage girl. Hell is a right. teenage girl. Right and at the start. Right at the start. Yeah. And also, Jennifer, you're eating people. No, I'm eating boys. So good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, God, that's so great. Yeah. I love that line, hell is a teenage girl, too, because it is it is true. Teenage girls are hell to be around, but it's also hell to be a teenage girl. Right. Like, it's and such a encapsulation i mean i understand that and i think previously and including this which i believe is my fourth viewing why it's still not a favorite for me just because you know by by chance i've never been a teenage girl but <laughs> um much like when we talked about when chelsea and i talked about the remake of black christmas it's okay for a movie not to be made for me because so many fucking are. So uh -huh. people should have, there should be movies made for everybody, not just, you know, the key male demographic of age, whatever, to whatever, whatever. You know, dudes spending money. Um, you need that representation. And Karen Kusama, I love The Invitation so much. That's one of my favorites. We did a tutorial episode with a friend of mine on this podcast because that movie's fucking brilliant. Wait, she did the invitation? She did. She directed Is that the me. one with uh, Nicole Kidman and 
No, no. The, uh, no. this is the one with um, Logan Marshall Green, and he goes to a, him and his girlfriend go to his ex-wife's uh, house for a dinner party with her new husband. I definitely recommend it. I think it's still on Netflix. I should Netflix. see that because I, I I wrote down because I've seen I've seen two of her movies. I've seen Destroyer and I've seen Aeon Flux, and I loved both of those too. Oh yeah, if, Destroyer if Mark, is really good. So yes, fucking yeah. good. Yeah, if that's Mark's almost a horror movie. movie. Nicole Kidman's skin is a horror in that movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you've not seen The Invitation, it should still be on Netflix. And it's okay. I'm going to write awesome. that down. I'm, gonna, I, uh, I'm a big, I'm a big um, homework nerd. I love to get homework um, from podcasts. So you guys are great. You guys are giving me homework. Oh, we, love we, it. We, we, the Invitation. We can, we can do all kinds of stuff. So, uh, like, you were touching on how this was not a movie that was made for you right. or that, you know, that's how you feel about it. And it's interesting because that brings in the whole um, marketing. Oh, it was, oh, it was marketed for me. It was completely, me. no, it was completely marketed for boys that would be horny for Megan Fox. Absolutely. Like, the posters for him is her in, like, this you know, schoolgirl outfit bending over or cheerleading outfit bending over a desk. Um, so it's for suburban dads who are in the making. Yes, exactly. The suburban dads. And uh, if a there commercial was also a Maxim cover, that was the advertising yeah. for this movie. And there was some marketers that called it like, or, or no, uh, Karen Kusama said this in an um, interview that she read or she was exchanging emails with um, the studio and one of the studio reps, I believe it was, uh, said, we need to make this Twilight for boys. Like we need to bring in all the boys that are going to be hot for Megan Fox. And that's obviously not the script and not no. the movie at all. No. So it, it's so sad to see that it did so poorly because it mm. was marketed as this movie that's just all about Megan Fox being hot. Mm -hmm. Now, of course she's hot. She's still hot. I will die on that hill. I think she's gorgeous. And she's actually a really good actress. She's yeah. just been treated piss poorly by Hollywood, Michael Bay in particular. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's so sad to see that that's what happened. That And seeing the description Twilight for boys, I was like, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> like that's just not. Well, it, was, it was like 2009, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think so. everybody was trying to like siphon off uh, Twilight Fever in whatever way they could. Yeah. I, I was actually working in a at a publisher in 2009, and they were re-releasing like some public, uh, some works in the public domain like some Bronte sisters novels with these like black covers with like a red flower, and like it was it was like 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 I know the Twilight cover so I know like what you're, they were like trying to make the Bronte sisters look like Twilight That's books amazing. in order to sell them I was like um, I really hope a Twilight fan picked that up and I was, really like, yeah. and was like oh this is what I should be reading yeah oh this is what this is what good fiction is okay all that, right that, that doesn't surprise me in the least because you know watching as many movies as I am and you know yeah I'm doing some on DVD and VHS if I'm in a pinch uh, but going through streaming services it's easy to see how like a lot of shitty movies will use a similar font mm -hmm. to a popular movie 
and hope it they're just like hoping that the viewer would get confused and like wait a second this isn't guardians of the galaxy but the font is the same no it's not they're just hoping you're sleepy or drunk enough to they could rent happen. their movie instead so like it yeah 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 um oh i i wanted to say something about the you know the, the idea of like of movies being for for men or for women or for girls or for boys i think mm -hmm. there was um I think that something that women have had to do um, that men really haven't had to do is develop like a gender neutral um, empathy for main characters where like when I read Catcher in the Rye, I identify with Holden Caulfield. I don't identify with any of the girls in the book because they're, you know, two dimensional and stupid, terrible characters. Um, Salinger. Yeah. Uh, but um, and then the same is true, like for films, you know, I don't um, watch like a uh i love movies that have all male casts you know like reservoir dogs and yeah. um, it doesn't and that's not a movie that's like for me necessarily except that i'm like a fan of film so mm. you know it's easy for me to identify with the uh the uh who's the guy that gets shot in the gut the british actor fucking Tim Roth. Tim Roth Tim Roth, character yeah. you know and like identify with him so hard and have so much compassion for him and have that like get me emotionally invested in that movie also the movie was just fucking cool um but you know that's not like a mental uh muscle that men have to flex that much because this there's enough true. you know there's enough film and books and tv uh with male protagonists that like you don't have to work very hard um to find characters to identify with and i remember so clearly uh the day i knew i was leaving my my uh, my ex-fiance uh i uh, and you ate him I, and I ate him. Yeah. Yes. I mean, listen, again, I've been, I've been, um, I've been dead for, you know, you're a professional. You got for like this. 36 yeah. years. Like I've got to, or 26 years. I can do math. I don't need to. <laughs> yeah, you don't um, need to. <laughs> when you're immortal, I don't math. need to. I'm, I'm invincible. Um, <laughs> I can, uh, what the fuck were we talking about? Wow, here we go. You were talking about when you were oh, yeah. Beyonce. I remember. And I uh, tried to be funny and be real the whole shit. I mentioned one of my favorite movies to him, which was Thelma and Louise, mm -hmm. one of my all time favorite movies of Fantastic all time. Fantastic film. Such a great film. And he was like, that movie sucks. It's just like two women riding around in a car. And no. I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to have to eat this man right now. And yeah, yeah. I made a mess. <laughs> yeah, the gender the gender lens is definitely um... <laughs> no. <laughs> but it was like, how can you not relate to these characters? Like what they go through, what they endure together, and their friendship. And it was like, well, you know. Yeah, exactly. the The gender lens has always been an issue, and you're so right about with movies, um, and not just like you said, not just movies, but you know, books and TV series. Um, in particular and even thinking about the literature that we read as we grow up like whether it's been assigned in school um the female characters are usually side characters that are not meant to be relatable that is not the intention whatsoever and then you also look at you know big book series that have been movies that even i really love i mean when it comes to quentin tarantino's films arguably a lot of them are a majority male cast you don't really have a female to 
relate to or it's a female like Jennifer Jason Lee and you don't really want to relate to her in the in the movie except um, for Jackie Brown that yeah oh yeah that proves yeah real. yeah Jackie Brown is the exception for sure and then Jackie Brown I'll throw in Death Proof as well Death Proof and Kill Bill like the obvious like mm-hmm. the obvious ones that you know are the majority female or at least the leads are female um but then you also look at these blockbuster films like you look at the lord of the rings trilogy those are mostly men if not all men the only women in there get three minutes of screen time and i'm saying that as a really big lord of the rings fan and i relate to quite a few of the male characters but yeah it's a muscle that men have never really had to stretch when it comes to media and um it either gets in the way of them liking a film or it just has them kind of shrug it away uh so it's it's interesting that yeah you brought that up because with jennifer's body that's really apparent it's a very succinct uh description that yeah and i think uh you know at least i don't have the reaction a lot of dudes do uh, most notably with the Ghostbusters remake of this is something that's not meant for me and I hate it and must destroy it. I can just go, all right, I'm not getting it. Now that said, we're going to, you know, spoil a bit to the end. I did enjoy it more this time because this time I was really focused on it. We're, we're watching it for the podcast and there are things, there's a lot of elements that I love and on paper, I really should have loved this film. But again, just to kind of skip to the end, it, I, I thought about my dad's, you know, sometimes when somebody was cooking that wasn't him, and it could be my mom, or it could have been his mom, or could have been, you know, uh, my mother's mother, and he would, you know, taste it and go, there's something missing. And that's kind of how I felt in this movie. And so I'll just blame it on the music for the most part. Oh, yeah. I was about to say, can we, can we dig at this, Rick? Not to put you at the spot, but for, please, 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 but please, please, for please. you saying on paper, yes. you should have loved this movie. Yes. It's funny that you say the music's what killed it for you because, first of all, Through the Trees is a fantastic song. That is and a very good song. <laughs> yeah. so, it's such also a good, like, 2009 emo song, too. And, Oh, but a lot of the music in it is really bad. That uh, <laughs> there's that screeching weasel song the guy sings in the car. Do you guys ever do like? Do you guys go like chronologically through the films or like? No, no we, we we just sort of all, a thing. We jump all over the place. Yeah. But I still I still want to I I just want to ask Rick. Yes. Just putting the music aside. Yes. Is that really what keeps you from saying that movie? Sh- this movie is just not for me. Is that mm-hmm. as much of a deal breaker? I just that, want to push a little bit more on that, this because I no, don't push understand away. Push, why. There, 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 there's a bit. That's the easiest thing to put my finger on. And you know, I hate to be, you know, older. You know, guy grew up on Hades slashers. If there was more sex and gore, I'd be more into it. because I'm looking for that in every horror movie. But, you know, this coming out 10 years ago when I'm 33, I'm removed enough from high school. It's it's from a female gaze. I can't, you know, really dive into it. But there are aspects that I really enjoyed, like the fire at the club reminiscent of the, the station fire where Great White, you know, burned the shit out of people because they were told they could. And that's some some true horror to to dive into. Uh, 
as grotesque as Megan Fox did when she first shows up in Needy's house and tries eating that chicken, that sick smile. You know, uh, I know I'm in the minority of someone that didn't find Megan Fox attractive, but that makeup job just really looked good and was creepy. Um, and what was the other thing that I really liked? It's going to escape me. Somebody else talk. It'll come back to me later. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to look at my notes because I have about 15 you, pages of notes. You told me you took afternoon. a lot of notes. <laughs> Love it. I didn't want to. Did, okay. You know what? As long as we're. Oh, my God. Can we talk about the introduction of the needy's boyfriend character? Because that Absolutely was like the most. It's not a horror element, but it's like a teenage boyfriend element. And it mm. couldn't have been more perfect. He's laying in a bed. He's wearing an MC5 t-shirt, which indicates to us that he's a music nerd. He knows who the yes. Motor City 5 are this band from Detroit that are like, they're obscure enough that like you have to be like a musician or, or have worked in a record store to really know who they are or have seen or, the movie Pump Up the Volume or be over 40. Uh, right. <laughs> if you're just cool, you know who the MC5 are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just be really fucking cool. Um, uh, and then he, then she, they say something about Phil Collins. Yes. And... And she, I don't know, either dismisses him or says she doesn't know like what it is. And he was like, well, I mean, he's seminal. And I was just like, ah! <laughs> it was so like, it was such a perfect characterization of like the obnoxious, know-it-all like musician, teenage boy thing that like uh, I experienced over and over and over and over again as a teenager. And also the use of the word seminal. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's a, there's, you can actually call things germinal. There's like a gender neutral term, but like, uh, because seminal is so. Um, jizzy. It's jizzy. It's a <laughs> jizzy word. Yeah. So, uh, so it was just really funny. And, um, oh, and he was so desperate to get his dick touched. That was like nostalgic for me. I was like, yeah. oh, teenagers. We, yep. That, that's kind of what you're looking for. Yeah. Like, Fuck, just look at it. <laughs> Yeah, and I like that he wasn't, um, you know, that he was like a sweet, caring, loving boyfriend, but he was like desperately horny. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like sometimes uh, movies about teenagers, boys are one or the other. Um, and he was both, which I thought was more realistic. I agree with that. Yeah, and, and, and uh, watching today, it is, I think it's, it's Heather's for the next generation. Very the, Heathers. The one yeah, the dialogue mine. is so Heathers inspired. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. That's one of the reasons I love it too, because Heathers is actually my all-time favorite movie. So you give me Heathers with Megan Fox as a demon and Adam yeah. Brody as a sacrificial Satanist emo rocker, I'm in a good mood. Adam Brody is so good in this movie. He's so perfectly cast. His He's acting great. is so amazing. I really haven't seen him in much else because I never watched the OC. Yeah, he's, um, he's I'm gonna been give you, in... I'm going to give you oh, a little more homework, Holmes, if you got the intro. <laughs> Here we go. I got my notebook. Yes. Ready or not. <laughs> is that a movie? That it's a, a movie. movie. And um... it's horror, but it's horror comedy. Kind of in the oh, same okay. thing as Jennifer's Body, where yeah. it's got a meta quality to it. Yeah. That didn't have uh, anything sexy in my opinion but the violence had me right in there oh no sexy stuff see that's a, um, that's a no, waste of adam brody. adam brody is the sexiest thing in that movie I mean, oh cool 
when Rick says there's no sexy stuff, he means, he means there's no boobs. No nudity. Everyone's there's got no their clothes boobs. on, yeah. No nipples. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And there's so much more to sex appeal than boobs, but yes, there's butts. Ag agreed. Yes, very much so. <laughs> but again, being raised in the '80s and yeah. watching Friday the 13th is like, is there some wet booby in this movie? Then I'm watch I forget who said it. I can't remember if it was Roger Corman or Russ Meyer. And he said, if you put nude breasts in a movie, men will think they saw a better movie than they actually did. And he's not wrong. Where he's that, not wrong. Where that fucking simple. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the 80s were really the decade of gratuitous nudity. I saw so many 80s movies that had booby, unnecessary boobage. You know, 48 hours and another 48 hours come to mind. I mean, just like, like every, like every uh, thing they rent, they, uh, every confrontation they had was like on the floor mm -hmm. of a strip club or something it was like anyway sorry this is a horror movie podcast well, specifically okay. jennifer's body <laughs> we're conversational it yeah goes where it goes. like yeah. um uh, no adam brody was great i mean his um you know what there you know, i'm gonna play i'm gonna play devil's advocate to myself here and okay and say that like i don't disagree with you that they were that it's not a perfect movie and there were elements that i didn't love you know i didn't love the opening i didn't think it was necessary uh oh in the asylum yeah it opens in the asylum it does feel a little it was hope plastered in the beginning yeah i'm, I'm glad you brought this up because i guess the previous times i watched it i forgot that it opens with needy looking in on jennifer in her bedroom and then cuts to the asylum. Because yeah. even, because while watching it this morning, I'm like, I just remember this starting in the asylum. But uh, instead of Jennifer watching one of those like workout infomercials of the time with like this dude that clearly has a mullet coming out of the back of his head, talking mm -hmm. about the musculature of his ass. Yeah. I <laughs> I remember that guy from infomercials. Um, gross. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. It it felt like the movie didn't get going until that part was over, which is kind of a terrible way to start a movie. Um, yeah. Uh, plus, I as a person who has in real life been been the ward of more than one mental hospital, I get I, I'm pretty tired of the way they're portrayed in horror movies and suspense movies and like you know it's uh it's always a very it's never accurate and it's always gratuitous so um, i kind of tune out when that's happening yeah, if, if you show the real way of a mental hospital which i think the closest it, it would be very boring yeah the, i think the closest is girl interrupted and I, how many oh yeah not even close yeah like but uh, first that's of all like, not everybody's hot yes i know <laughs> but i'm like that that's the closest i've seen in cinema it's not all like Jennifer's Body or Cuckoo's Nest, where you get a bunch mm. of madcap folks having adventures on a boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not cute, it's not quaint, and it's not spooky. It's mental illness. It's just wow. uh, it's. But if you're gonna put it in a movie, you have to make it one of those things because if you just show it like it is, it's like you know everybody's fucking sedated. I mean, <laughs> it's not. But um, but really, my problem with it was really just that it, it seemed like it it where it really needed to start was like at the high school and that's like where like mm -hmm. the you know like the movie got yeah. got going um and then you know something about the dialogue is very quippy and that's something i love about the Cody and it's also something that 
I get fed up with with Diablo Cody. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I love the movie Juno, and mm -hmm. I like um, I like the Showtime series that she did. Um, United States of Terror. Yeah, but like, not in you know in it's it's one thing if like one of your characters is like quippy and has puns. It's another thing if like everybody does it. It's like yeah. you know, it's like it's not like a character voice. It's a writer's voice if everybody's doing it. That's a very good point because, yeah. uh, like, like you said, Holmes, um, when this movie came out and I saw it was written by Diablo Cody, liking Juno and even really liking her book Candy Girl mm. uh, that came out before all that, I'm like, okay, I like her. Let's check this out. And yeah, that 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 really might be another one of my flaws that there's no uh, individuality amongst the kids other than uh on the surface because even yeah jk simmons as the one-handed uh teacher and i like they never explained why he has a hook hand yeah. he's also a little quippy in his own way yeah and that was i thought that was a real red herring because if there's like an old guy with one hand then at some point in the movie he has to save all the teenagers right that's a har that's what happens in horror movies Typically. E either save all the teenagers or kill all the teenagers but he didn't do either he just sort of disappeared or he yeah. could be the red herring that you think he's the one killing everyone but he's really yeah mad. but like yeah there's no mystery about who's killing everyone um the movie itself like it has it's very camp um, but it also has like these very, very like human, like sort of tender emotional moments, um, mm. which I think if it didn't have those, I wouldn't like it as much. Um, you know, Adam Brody has a very detached performance. Um, arguably Megan Fox does too, uh, especially as the, you know, after she's the succubus. Mm. Um, but there's like, there's some parts of it that are just like heartbreaking. Like the scene right before they kill her, when they bring her out to the, the woods and she's just like crying mm -hmm. oh um, yeah it's and it's, it's like, it speaks on so many levels because again it just shows you i mean the fear of being a woman in general and and people yeah. just watching you and saying you know whether you're a virgin or not like oh she must be look at or she must not be a virgin look at what she's wearing and stuff like that that's just another yeah. layer to it and um yeah the scene where she's just in the van with them and when she was getting in the van with them um and needy was like you know stop what are you doing let's go home remembering that jennifer's a teenage girl and this really hot band invited her into her van i did some really stupid stuff when i was crushing on a boy in high school um and so I completely understand and I don't even, you know, no victim blaming comes from me when it comes to Jennifer's character and Jennifer's body because I absolutely understand yeah. getting into their van and hanging out. Especially when like you're already in a daze, you've been drinking, the bar is on fire and you're just kind of like, uh, yeah, let's go. Um, and that's just another layer to it. You know, the men choosing their victim based off of, I mean, obviously that's part of the sacrifice, the, you know, mm. curse or whatever, but it still just speaks kind of volumes for society and culture in general that mm. they're pointing out women that way. Very mm. much, very yeah. much so. And even the, you know, the, the 40 something music nerd in me is like, okay, they're trying to get a demon in exchange for, fame 
but not in like a cool Robert Johnson way. They want to be like the guy in Maroon 5. That That's decidedly uncool in my opinion. <laughs> that was such a great detail to sort of like uh, amplify their douchebaggery. Yes. It was like, they're like, we want to be just like Maroon 5. And I was like, oh, they are evil. Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're going through all this trouble, like murder, selling your soul, and it's to be mm -hmm. like Maroon 5, like Adam Brody, I would I would expect better from you. That, you know, that's, that's a clue. Um, but it, another thing that I liked, and uh, I guess it never resonated any of the previous times, was you know with the fire and the first murder. There's a lot of sorrow in the school, but with each subsequent one, the. Uh, school bodies desensitized to it it's like all right we we've been there before why should we care this time i think that does uh resonate with society now mm -hmm. which is clearly evident that this movie was very much ahead of its time and yeah well I, I wasn't ready for it you you ladies were clearly right there way ahead of the curve yeah. finger you know, directly on the pulse and, you know, dumb, dumb with the Y chromosome. Yeah, I'll, get, I'll get there. Uh, I think you're right. And actually, you know what I thought of this during this screening? I thought of, um, I thought of Jordan Peele's last two horror movies. Yes. Um, there's something, this movie like fits in like the social commentary horror genre. Um, very like neatly, I think. Um, and yeah, I, when I, when I heard that, that part that you just mentioned, I thought of, you know, like the way that kids, have had to deal with like school shootings and the way that like, you know, it's like that it's been just sort of like, um, it has, you know, the adults aren't fixing it for them. So it's just become like a, it's just become like a part of their, their way of life. Um, well, coronavirus fixed it for temporarily, but um, I, it was, it was, it was like prophetic. I was like, holy shit. Uh, that was, a, that was a very, um, What is the word? I don't know. I don't okay. know. I don't know the word. It'll come to you eventually. It'll come to me. Uh, they were talking, like, there's one quote, like, in the movie about after the fire happened, um, everybody got a tragedy boner, is what yes. I think. Yeah. That was a phrase that I, yeah. Yeah, I should have taken yeah. And yeah. And it's true how when that one big thing happens, everyone is either someone knew somebody who was in the fire or their friends, cousins, sisters, you know, aunt was in the fire. There's just always a way where people do have a tragedy boner and they either are genuinely frightened and horrified and mourning. And then there's some that just want to clue into it and kind of suck off of it. And then you, mm -hmm. as it keeps happening, it, just becomes one of those things where oh yeah another kid's dead whatever it, it, mm -hmm. it just keeps happening so yeah that's an interesting thing that I don't think I ever really it's not that I didn't pick up on it in the movie it just never was a focus of mine yet it is yeah. now that we're talking about it it is very much there yeah I'm isn't sure it with Jennifer dying they're probably all like it was probably a sensational thing because her best friend that everybody thought was in love with her did it um, but I thought that was another thing that the movie did really well was when it comes to the complications of best friends in high school, yeah. especially when one of them is 
gorgeous. I mean, Amanda Seyfried is gorgeous too. Just because you put glasses on her doesn't make her look plain. But um, but you still, you know, she plays it so believably that you know you still understand how Jennifer's the the higher ranking one in this friendship. Yeah. Um, also, you know, in box love doesn't die. Yeah, in high school um, too. I think at least for girls, like we, you know, you go through this phase where um your body develops and all of a sudden you're getting a brand new type of attention and some girls shrink away from it and some girls like run right towards it mm -hmm. and um and I remember being you know a girl a 14 year old girl and being you know and knowing that like like knowing that I was like pretty enough but being so insecure about it like that I was like that I was like totally shut down whenever I was around anybody that I thought was cute and having like friends who I looked up to who didn't have that they didn't have that part of their brain it seemed like they were just like they were like yes I'm here my tits are here my big eyes are here let's do this and they were like comfortable with the attention and embracing it and uh and confident and it was the scariest thing in the world to me they were terrifying <laughs> and amazing I, I I can relate a little bit uh, in, in not having zero confidence in high school, but I wore mirrored sunglasses all the time, so nobody could see how scared I was, mm -hmm. and they all thought I had confidence. So I fooled everyone. Yeah. But you know, none also called me a car Anders when I was seven. So pay no attention to that. One thing that that kind of bothered me. Um, is that they never explain how there seemed to be this psychic bond between Needy and Jennifer. Like when, when, when Needy's having sex with her boyfriend and she knows Jennifer's feeding. Or it's she subtle, knows, yeah. but it's there. Yeah, I didn't really think it needed explaining. Like exactly. What I am a dumb man. I need <laughs> things. When they were in the sandbox together yes. and Jennifer accidentally stabbed her hand with yes. a with a thing and then pulled it out and her hand was bleeding and needy sucked her blood i think oh, that's why right. that was there i think that's the connection so you're saying that the supernatural uh effects of needy existed before a demon came into play mm -hmm. no i think i think that uh i think that jennifer's demonic possession affected needy because she had ingested jennifer's blood when they were children oh yeah okay yeah it's not it's not a one it's not a one-to-one -one. it's subtle but it's there and when i saw it this time i was like oh that's why she can sense what's going on see you got me there going oh she just kissed the boo-boo like kids do no she and sucked her blood the blood yeah. out yeah so Needy yeah. was a vampire the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the whole time. Well, I mean, there's something very vampiric about an emotionally crippled person named Needy. Yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah, exactly. She, yeah, she was a hanger-on. Like Jennifer is sort of like, um, you know, biggest fan. And I, I would love when you know the demon version of Jennifer would call her out on it. It was. Mm -hmm. It's not that I was never rooting for needy because obviously what jennifer's doing is not the most moral choice that could be made but i also didn't mind that jennifer mm -hmm. was killing 
boys. <laughs> I didn't mind that she was killing a boy who loves maggot rock and wanted to, you know, just bond with her because, <laughs> because they have both seen death or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, what, when she finally starts looking really ill, he got more interested in, in her. It was weird. But um, at the same time, I could see getting annoyed with a friend like needy, but I could also see myself sometimes being needy. Um, when it comes to the friendships that I have, it took a, it took a long time growing up like high school and college to not be always that desperate for attention from my friend or from my best friend. And I don't think I was ever as bad as needy was, but I understood it. But at the same time, I could understand getting annoyed by it. Um, I think it was just me reflecting on it. Um, but it was, it was interesting because I was never rooting for Needy. I was never rooting for her to kill Jennifer. I just wasn't. Um, wow. Because Needy did have this kind of parasitic uh, vibe about her. And, you know, again, going off of you know, in the beginning, like sucking the blood from her best friend's wound. It's something that you see and you're like, oh, but then you think about it and how much they've been or for how long they've been best friends. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a really interesting women uh, relationship dynamic that I always appreciate in movies that I think women write, well, not even I think, I know women write significantly better than men when it comes to writing the complexity of those relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something I really appreciate in this movie too. Yeah, I, you know, I have to say that when I was in my first two years of high school, I was 100% a needy to a Jennifer. Like I had a Jennifer uh, best friend who I was like, well, I don't even think, I don't think, I was definitely not her best friend, but she was my best friend. <laughs> I, I think I've been in the same, I was in the yeah, same boat I was, in high school. I was obsessed with her. She was like this, uh, she was like this world weary, wise, sophisticated 16 year old. <laughs> it was like, who was gorgeous and everyone was obsessed with her and she was charismatic and creative and interesting and severely mentally ill and, uh, you know, had, already experienced trauma in her life. I mean, she had, she was like the total package uh, in terms of like, and she was really, really stylish. And like, I just wanted to be like exactly like her. And, um, and so I, I think I identified with Needy very quickly in the movie. Cause I was like, Oh shit. Like this is like this, this is like an identical relationship to like the mm-hmm. friendship that I had when I was my first year of high school. Yeah, and I think that's what was making me not root for her was because of, like, yeah. when I was closely identifying or with her or the way she was behaving resonated with me. I just watched it in such a critical lens. Like, God, if I was Jennifer, I'd just kill her. <laughs> like, now that you have this demon, just kill her. You don't oh, need man. her. <laughs> but, um, but I also think it was just me being my own worst enemy while watching. Like, yeah. God, that person's awful. That was definitely me <laughs> when I was 15. Yeah. Uh, it, it's so interesting to watch. To remember high school, which was sometime around 1742 for me. <laughs> um, uh, it, it, it was very perplexing to me how uh, girls I was friends with, they could love each other one day and the next day they're mortal fucking enemies uh, do, doing some kind of 
you know, mental warfare that I could not possibly keep up with. Whereas guys, you know, we will beat the shit out of each other, but that's the gateway to lasting friendship. Like, you know, the guy I was fighting in seventh grade, who was way bigger than me, and I should have been fighting him. We're in a band together in eighth grade, and we're inseparable. We are dumb. But in regards to this movie, I wonder if many of the flaws weren't just the studio uh, giving notes, like you said, make this Twilight for boys. Uh, You know, because, you know, like subtle little things that, you know, would appeal to the horror nerd in me, like uh, Jennifer telling uh, the maggot rock kid, I need you to be scared. That's very Pennywise. Later on, she's wearing an evil dead shirt. I like that, but it's like, you know, get get those teens in there. Because I think it was PG-13. Because uh, I think they only said fucking once. No, it it's R. Oh, it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that scene that she, where she takes that jock into the woods, into a clearing in the woods, was very, mm. it was a very Twilight yeah. like visual. You know, them in the clearing and her. Um... <laughs> I loved, I loved it when the when the uh the animals came up because because usually when animals interact with like an evil spirit like they run away or they or they're or they mm-hmm. try to defend but this mm-hmm. she was like she was like oh they're here to watch i was like oh yeah. shit yeah, that's, but, that's but rick i want to i want to dial back for a second Please. because you were talking about you know when we were talking about the complexity of female friendships and you were mentioning in contrast like what can be the simplicity in male friendships. I, I don't think it's that black and white. I think when people say that women will love each other one day and hate each other the next, I had some really interesting friendships with girls that, um, in, especially in middle school, when mm. you're really be, becoming a preteen and teenager and those hormones are raging, um, that I had relationships with friends that, we would, you know, love each other one day and we may be fighting the next, but I don't think it would just be that simple, that cut and dry. And I think it's the same with men. I feel like men just want to say, well, we just punch each other and then we hug it out. That's what creates such really toxic, violent shrieks, I think. I, I feel yeah, like there's more men have awful. in common with women relationships than they want to admit to. Um, I mean, just for example, you were saying that someone you fought with, you guys were in a band together the next year. One girl who mm-hmm. I argued with and fought with so much in high school to the point where one of us could have been expelled are really good friends now. And we were yeah. never really, so I just want to take it back because I feel like I don't think you meant to do this, but you just kind of simplified it in a way that... I apologize yeah. for that. No, and it's I think okay. A, I think a lot of it has to do... You don't have to do... apologize. I'm just telling you, it's, it's <laughs> no, not no, that you're, simple. You're not wrong. And, and I think a lot of it was definitely the time I was the teenager, where, you know, talking about your feelings is really dumb, but also, you know, when you're going through puberty and your body is basically going through the hormonal equivalent of nuclear Armageddon. And yeah. you don't, you're feeling so many things and don't know why or what to do with any of them. So the really simplistic thing is like your hand turns into a fist. And, and, and uh, like for me personally, um, you know, not being able to deal with depression or 
the grief of my grandmother dying and she was the first death I ever experienced every time I got angry it's like well let's just fight and I guess you know you can look at that as like you know my dumb boy equivalent of like you know someone that's a cutter it's like I'm going to control the pain that I'm feeling mm -hmm. uh inwardly and now it's going to manifest outwardly but I can only recognize that now many decades later after a lot of therapy and realizing I shouldn't have been mad with any of those people. That was dopey. <laughs> you know, I think that what you're describing isn't necessarily gender specific. Like I wasn't a cutter either. I was a fighter, mm -hmm. um, especially when I, there was a point in um, high school where I'd been, you know, I, I'd been in, I went to public school my whole, uh, you know, career and uh, a, a very, a very upsetting middle school experience with a lot of fucking bullying and like crazy stuff. And there was a point in high school where I realized that most people were afraid of confrontation. So if I was confrontational with them, they would back off. And very once true. I, once I discovered that as like a way to keep myself safe, then that's all I did for like the next, for like the rest of high school. Um, and, uh, and I was, of an extremely angry kid because like yeah like you said like like depression death um and really just like honestly the trauma of like of being of sexually maturing and all of a sudden like being uh you know having like my behavior uh judged in in a in a way that i knew was unfair but like had no recourse against um like as a teenage girl like all of it just manifested in like extreme rage um and i was like yeah out of control angry and really fucking mean to people um and i honestly feel like and also i know boys who internalized it all and boys who were who practiced self-harm so yeah i just i don't think it's a gender thing as much mm -hmm. uh, i agree I, you yeah. put it in much clearer terms than I was <laughs> which is not yeah. which is not to say like and and like there are but the but like the um but what you mentioned um I think that one thing that girls get to have in our friendships is we are allowed to cry together we are allowed yes. to share we are allowed to be emotionally expressive and it and it does and it does bond us together in like a very special way whereas like men are are um men and boys are more now allowed to do those things yes but when you I, know i hope now uh, not, I, I hope it's still you know i hope the, the next generation by evolution alone is superior to mine i liked i used to like hanging out with boys my age uh in high school and in my 20s because it was easier like we would just like watch a movie and uh I remember we, I, I watched Commando one afternoon with like a bunch of guys that I know and like we were trying to count the number of people killed in that movie. A lot. Uh, yeah, a lot. It was hundreds. But, uh, you know, and it was like that was a that was a that was a social gathering. Right. It was easier and more fun um, than some social gatherings that we had with women because. Um, but also yeah. but the dark side of that was that like these men who were who'd been friends since they were you know children hadn't had more than a handful of like serious conversations with each other so they they needed like i mean that's why sports are so popular yeah like no that. it's good to recognize that yeah
It was just like, we need something to focus on as a group so we don't have to talk about our feelings. Oh, now yeah. kick that ball. <laughs> kick that ball. Kill that fucking guy. Kill I it. hate that dad. <laughs> and then a slap on the ass. Good job. Good job. Yeah, good job. <laughs> oh, my God. Ne- never went down the sports thing, but I was raised by a dad who loved yeah. Westerns, who was like, never let him see you cry. <laughs> never let him see my you dad cry. used to so love almost, to say rub some dirt in it he thought yeah. that was like if he thought it made him such a cowboy he was like rub yeah. some dirt in it <laughs> and it was like i don't understand <laughs> you're only allowed to be hungry horny or sleepy that's it <laughs> yeah, that's it and angry that, yeah. that those are those are the four man emotions yeah but but, but I, I i like to to, to think that you know i have come a bit further and improved and I, there's still room for improvement. Maybe that's the, one of the reasons why I enjoyed this movie more yeah. this time around. And, and I think you need to revisit films again or, or music or books, you know, whenever, like, all right, I didn't like it last time. Let's see if I'm ready. You know, the opposite end of that spectrum, you can watch something that you loved back in the day and go, this shit does not hold up. Yeah, looking in your, looking in that your never direction, happens Commando. to me, because I'm never wrong. So <laughs> everything I've ever loved, I still love, and it's still good. And yeah. only that day, for example. Can oh. we talk about Amy Sedaris as the mom in that movie? Yes. Not to change the subject entirely, but like, I... <laughs> I always forget she's the mom until I rewatch it. Like, I forget she's even in it, and it's such a delight every time. This fully realized character who has less than two minutes of screen time was, like, such a fucking revelation. I loved it so much. Uh, And also, like, she was such, like, a three-dimensional single mom. Like, she was clearly, like, clinically depressed. (laughs) But she was psychic. She like, she like sits down, she's like telling her about this dream she had. I was like, oh my God, like, I know this mom. Like, <laughs> see, see, that would make more sense to me if the mom was psychic and Needy is also psychic, because then you got like an X-Men mutant thing into, you know, my teenage brain, that makes perfect sense. I think they were just uh, demonstrating like that mom was going to be useless in a crisis and that like Needy and was unreliable by, yeah, by having her be like this kind of movie flake. Yeah, as any parent in a horror movie should be. Flaky and distracted. Yeah. No, yeah. I love her as the mom. I, I don't know why I always forget she's in it until I she's rewatch so it. And then it's just such a, I think my brain does it on purpose so that I'm so pleasantly surprised when she's on screen. And then I remember yeah. and I'm like, oh yeah. I, I, this movie in general was very well cast I think it was I mean we had already talked about with Adam Brody and I think all of the teenagers were perfectly cast I remember when it first came out I was so it came out in 2009 I was uh 18 and um and so I didn't really want to go see it, even though I should have wanted to go see it. Because by the time I was 18, Heather's was my favorite movie. I was a really big horror fan. But I think I fell for a lot of the, you know, marketing ploy. And this was when I was not a confident teenager whatsoever. Um, So seeing something about, you know, this is a movie about how hot Megan Fox is. It was just not something that completely spoke to me. And then it wasn't until later when I finally, I read pieces of the script 
I was like, this is amazing. Just reading, you know, some of the lines. And um, then I watched it and I was kicking myself for falling for how awful the marketing was. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I just wasn't interested. And I think last I year, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just saying, I just, I hate that. I, I hate that the market that I fell for that and that I was thinking this is, you know, this is just going to be a movie about, which I mean, now that I'm older, watching a hot girl kill boys is something I want to do every day, every night before I go to bed. <laughs> That's what I want. Um, but me too. When Aww. I was, <laughs> it, it's just, that's what dreams are made of. Um, but when I was 18 and just this, you know, insecure kid that was just ready to graduate high school and didn't want anybody looking at me, it was just not something, um, I was super into, but I think if it was played or marketed as, you know, this really witty horror comedy, I mean, it still probably would have bombed because I don't think anybody wanted that in 2009. I could be underestimating um the audience then but yeah. i'm just so happy that it's found its cult following now like i actually saw karen kusama um at nighthawk theater uh doing a q a for this last year and it was amazing yeah it was really amazing and of course she oh. talked about the marketing bullshit and she talked about how megan fox was one of the best people she's ever worked with and how it was equally as frustrating for Megan Fox while making the movie. And then the marketing, it hurt Megan Fox even more just emotionally and mentally because that's when all the Michael Bay blacklisting was happening. So yeah. you do the Michael Bay blacklist stuff on top of the movie that was a passion project for you is being marketed based off of how hot you are. It, it just really makes me feel for Megan Fox. And yeah. um, it was really interesting to see Karen talking about it. She was there actually promoting Destroyer. Um, so That's she did such a Q&A for Jennifer's body, but Destroyer was playing next month. So it was oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, um, it's funny. There is, um, there is this thing about society where we want to we want to consume all of a hot person and we also want to punish them for being hot. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I think that I think that Megan Fox experienced that in her career um, so much. I mean, I've never seen any of the Transformers movies. I, I will do my best to avoid them. I yeah. <laughs> I remember the eighties cartoon and like yeah. Yeah, and like something about like CGI in most movies these days. I feel like I'm watching so much stuff happening Such that it's an like, eyesore. It's, it's, it like hurts. It's flat and it's visually horrible and like not interesting. But, I didn't uh, see the first Transformers, so now I feel I'd be lost. Oh, because there's like 20 oh. Transformers films. Now? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I'd be able to follow. Somehow Mark Wahlberg got there. I don't know how. <laughs> the Transformers franchise is a great example for why we should let copyrights expire. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, as long as intellectual property is like is is still it, there's still you know you can still claim it on something, then it has value, and oh. then as long as it has value, then yeah, then Mark Wahlberg has a career, and like enough. <laughs> enough marky quit enough mark Wahlberg. i, I um, remember i remember you marky mark that's why i still call you that oh yeah. boy yeah um the um her performance in a lot of things but in this movie in particular is so good it was like here's a person who can do everything yes she is unbelievably hot do you guys know that she's 
Filipino? Yeah, I saw it She's, trending the yeah. other day on Twitter because she called out Lana Del Rey for that bullshit post that she made. Yeah. And, yeah. and the hashtag Megan Fox is Filipino was trending. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't know until that hashtag, and I was like, but are she's they kidding? very, <laughs> yeah, no, and she's very connected to it culturally. She speaks Tagalog, like she cooks oh, Filipino food, like she's so fucking interesting. Um, and she's like very like, um, you know, she really encourages like younger people, you know, who are Filipino to like, you know, embrace their cultural heritage, and just like you know, every everything I learn about her, I'm like, oh, I like her even more. Um, you continue to be amazing thank you totally um but you know uh oh, fuck what is it? oh yeah well the scene where she's like crying in the woods um you know so much of horror uh that that point right before a person is murdered when they're screaming and crying like so in like in the genre it's sort of um it's overdone so many times that like it's it's not as uh, like you don't emotionally connect to the person who's about to die but in that scene, like, she was so, like, she was so, like, hopeless and, like, upset. It was so good. And um, yeah. the way that she played um, her, the succubus, like, who, who had just eaten versus the, the succubus who was starving, you know, like, all the physical things she did. And, like, mm -hmm. and then changed the way she looked with makeup, too. But she was really, you know, she was giving a shit fucking good yeah. fucking performance exactly yeah she was great and amanda seyfried's great in it too and this was right around the time that she did mean girls playing a totally different type of character yeah she was so and after mean girls i don't remember what she did directly after mean girls but i know and these are movies i absolutely enjoy she did the first mamma mia and that's again very different from Jennifer's body. Very different <laughs> because she she's on the a... beach singing "Dancing Queen," and yeah. that's not what she's doing in Jennifer's body. So she is very talented. Well, she also played basically a Jennifer in um, in the first season of Veronica Mars, the TV show. Oh my show. god! I completely was like, forgot she was in the first season. She was a sexually confident, like hot, mm -hmm. uh, adventurous she was best friend, right? Yeah, she on was the murdered best friend. friend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, yeah, she was really good on that. She's yeah, a she's great, great actress. She really is. Yeah. And after Jennifer's body, she went uh, to uh, Chloe, Dear John, Letters to Juliet, Red Riding Hood. I remember mostly seeing her in Big Love myself. But that's, oh, that's, that's that. Uh, that that was on Showtime, right? HBO. HBO. She, HBO was on, she was on Big Love? Yeah, she was... Uh, Paxton's first daughter, I believe. Oh, shit. If I'm not mistaken. Um, another thing I never noticed as, as we, we wind down here, um, I never, I always stopped as maybe went off and I never realized the credit sequence where she's actually going after the dance. How have you never noticed that? I just stopped the movie and I'm like, okay, oh, I didn't God, really like that. Oh, God, you're such an idiot boy. <laughs> yes. And also... Yeah, take it back. You're simple. You're simple. Very simple. I, I'm kidding. When it comes to the cut and dry, yep. 
Simple, simple Rick is like, I gotta go to the bathroom now. That's mm -hmm. the there's there's gonna be a sequel there. Oh, that really and I actually, think that actually pisses me off that you haven't seen that for the first three times. Until today. <laughs> Bringing it back to Reservoir Dogs. You ladies are like, how do you never, you know, they say who shot Andy at the end of the song? Like, yeah, I know, motherfucker. I just heard it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I just saw it this time, but you know, the previous uh. times. I never watched it. So what did you oh think? I, I, I still feel like when I you know, saw the movie, I'm like, okay, they're setting up for a sequel. And I think that could have worked as mm -hmm. a sequel to this film. It's like, okay, now I have to get the douchebags that ruined my life. I'm a fugitive. Yeah. And I, I, did and love I got that some demon stuff though. in me. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, the aspect of the demon, which, by the way, is from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, very there's a whole so. episode where Buffy gets injured by a demon and takes on an aspect of the demon. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of Buffy three. in this movie. Yes, um, that's another reason I love it. Three, uh, Buffy yes. is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. So yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Heather's favorite movie, Buffy favorite TV show. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. There is a lot pulled from Buffy in this. I would like to mention just briefly the stunt cameo of Lance Erickson at the end when she's hitchhiking and she gets in and the guy yes. from Aliens is like, is driving the car. I was like, this is, this feels like stunt casting to me. <laughs> this guy doesn't need a two line role in this movie. Karen must have called him up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was he, no, well, maybe they, maybe they did a movie together. I thought that yeah. was cool. Yeah. Was, he cool. was the, was he the, um, I can't remember who he was in Aliens though. He was the cyborg, he, right? Uh, in Aliens, he was the, he was the robot. Yeah. The guy that who got like. was patterned after him as the CEO right. of Wayland Industries. Right. So he shows up in Alien 3 and then later in Aliens. But he's the guy who. In, at the end of Aliens is like split in two and like has all the white, yes. the milky stuff coming out of him. He, he's yeah. bisected, yes. Yeah, bisected, thank you. No problem. Technical term. Right. Yes, I he's try. bisected. So, oh, so yeah, and, uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, 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 fi finish up, finish up, and then I'll, I'll land this plane. You got notes, shit tons of notes in I a do. little red book. Yeah, I just, there was a lot of, there was a lot of ways that they subverted, um, tropes not just horror movie tropes but like when jennifer wears like all white at on prom night and she's like you know i thought that was very um that you know that's kind of but also then but then she's like then when she's like floating above the pool and all white i was like oh this is like this is like one of those like um water demons from uh from like japanese horror Oh yeah. yeah, the imagery mm. is very close to it that. It was very close to that, and the, I just feel like they they did so much creative in, imagery in like so many cool ways. Um, and I love that Neely, the way Neely looked at the prom too, because it was like, yeah, this is how a nerdy girl who doesn't know how to dress herself would show up to a prom mm -hmm. in you know a dress, an '80s prom dress styled entirely by her mom. Exactly, it gave off big like yeah. mom helped me with this vibes, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> whether I wanted her help or not, mm -hmm. uh, I enjoyed that. Her hair and her dress, um, <laughs> tragedy very tragic it was very tragic bringing it back to the to the food analogy i made earlier it's like there's a lot of ingredients here mm. that i should have enjoyed mm. i still I, I i know we're running out of time but i i still want to keep poking that bear of okay. i should have enjoyed it because there are horror movies that you love rick that don't have 
gratuitous nudity or, or violence. So I don't believe that excuse. I just feel like there's something there and one day I will crack it. Or you just love it and you're trying to be stubborn. No, no, I'm def this is not one of those Rick's being stubborn moments. Like I said, I certainly enjoyed it more this time than the previous three. So that means now that, you know, whenever I find it next on some streaming service, it's time to watch it again. It's, 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 I'll liken it to, you know, when I worked at Tower Records and I got my first Miles Davis album, wasn't ready yet, but I kept <laughs> listening to it. And, to, and then, you know, I went to New Orleans for the first time. And I was like, well, now I love jazz. Well, then I guess we're taking a road trip to Devil's Kettle. Okay. <laughs> Will there be pancakes? I'm sure there are in Devil's Kettle. There has yeah. to be somewhere. I'm sure they, I'm sure that's, a, that, that seems like a town full of pancakes. Mm. <laughs> All the pancakes like, you could want. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a cracker barrel. I'm sure there's a pancake buffet. Then we're good to go. Yeah. Because Chelsea was there the first time I went to a crackle barrel and it kind of changed my life. Yep. Oh my God. I've, I've actually never been to a, I've never been eaten at a Cracker Barrel. And yeah. I, well, when this, I grew up when in this the is South, over, I don't know how I avoided when, it. When this yeah. quarantine is over, road tripping. Oh shit. Barrel. Oh my God. Is it Cracker Barrel like anti-LGBTQ? No, they're actually. Um, they used to be in the 90s. They used to be, but um, they've actually kicked people out for Oh, great. Uh, for hate crimes and for um, somebody carrying a firearm and legally carrying, they kick oh, them good. out. So they're getting question. better. They're getting better. What are their vegan options? Oh, so I'm vegetarian. I have not, I have not had. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. You I may just definitely, have to watch I could get, have a side of fries. Yeah. As a, born, as a born and raised New Yorker, never do went to a cracker barrel. Yeah. But then on a one road trip, it's like, oh, okay, now I get it. Yeah. And now I'm of the mentality. It's like, if we're in some place that has a cracker barrel, then we should go to the cracker barrel. Not only because the food is good, but because the gift shop is fucking weird. It's it so, weird. so weird. It is the weirdest gift shop. That's probably the most problematic part of Cracker Barrel is their gift shop. <laughs> I mean, I imagine that all those things ever get is dusted i know and not sold they, they right? can't I mean, sell all of those things they just can't or maybe i'm really underestimating the need just, for all of this stuff i don't understand it's really funny it's very oh. weird yeah <laughs> thank you guys so much for letting me talk to you about this movie oh my god <laughs> i loved it i was so glad that you joined us it would have been me, me just too. yelling at rick why doesn't yeah. like the movie yeah it's also entertaining but now i can be corrected by two women yeah that's fine for me. yeah so uh holmes please tell uh, our audience about your podcast and oh thank you i would love to i have a podcast called the revolving door it's a comedy podcast about sex and relationships um uh, we've got about nine eight or nine episodes um on as as of today the something of I don't even know what fucking day of the week it is. Uh, coronavirus. Um, it's uh, it's it's uh, March eleventeenth, uh, twenty four eighty two. That sounds about right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, we release weekly or twice a week. Um, and yeah, we talk. Uh, we talk very specifically about a lot of horny things. So uh, it's a great listen when you're stuck indoors mm -hmm. with nothing to do.
Yeah, and uh, we can Chelsea and I will be on it at some point if we can. I would find love a, that. A I would sexy love horror that. topic. I pitched yes. the idea of uh, great new nude scenes through horror. At which point, uh, Rick, that's just going to be you talking. <laughs> yeah, probably. talking about boobs. Yeah, <laughs> I would love that. Except, like, I can't remember one time watching a horror movie and seeing a man's body and being like, "Yes." Yeah, I mean, like getting a good look at it. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I like that you, Holmes, you were like, I don't watch a lot of horror, so I don't have a lot of those references. And I'm like, okay, so then you suggested maybe watching the nude scene and then trying to guess what the movie is actually about. Yes, I was going to watch oh nude God, scenes. That sounds and then, amazing. And then pitch Same the show. plot of the movie to you guys. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, make I can it multiple tell- choice. Yeah. Where oh, we yeah. show a screenshot or a clip. <gasps> Because <laughs> in some like, cases it yeah. could be better than what the movie actually is. Yeah, yeah. I would listen. I would not be opposed to seeing a pair of of, of ladies' boobs with uh, the triangle tan line um, yeah. from, uh, from her string bikini top. That that ta- that takes me back. That takes me back. I love that. Yeah. We'll come. We'll we'll we'll, we'll toss ideas around because we're all friends now. Yeah, and and we'll figure something out to talk about yeah. of some sexy horror business, and uh, and and all kind of good stuff as well. You want to mention where people can find you online yes. with the social media? Uh, I am on for you. Uh, the Revolving Door is on Instagram. Uh, our handle is Revolving Door Cast, uh, all one word, Revolving Door Cast, and um, you can find the Revolving Door on iTunes and on. SoundCloud right now. Uh, we'll be on more platforms eventually, but we're still getting started and Groovy. a little I've bit subscribed. lazy. I've 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 poked the five star boop. Thank you. Because, you know, you Thank you. Yes, every like subscription, this. rate, and review helps so so much, as I'm sure you guys know. I was surprised. I did. You know, we're doing okay. We're we're about a month in, and we've got about 150 regular listeners. So I'm, awesome. I'm excited. Yeah, I want to keep I want to keep the momentum going. I'm really I'm relying very- on. Horny people stuck indoors to, uh, I mean, what a great time to be alive to listen to this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What a great time. What a great time. I mean, I would much rather be, a a lot of what we're doing now is reminiscing and Mm -hmm. uh, projecting into the future. (laughs) Yeah. um, During all of this uh, collective global trauma, while I do enjoy your podcast, not boned up at all. Oh no! No, we'll I'm have fine. to work harder. We'll have to work harder. There'll be a time and a and a place. Yeah, uh, it ain't right now. I but think I yeah. I just really I I think I'm just gonna start just asking people to like just right off the top to start telling me their sex stories because uh you know the I, as much as I love the intelligent discussions that happen I'm just like let's talk about fucking please <laughs> <laughs> please come on can we please. Look at, like, I look need at what this. year we're in. Look at what time we're in. Just yeah. get down to what people are I actually listening for. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Chelsea, where can the people find you if they want to find you online, please? They can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Just Chelsea Bennington. I'm right there. That's where you can find our youth correspondent Chelsea Bennington. So you can find Spooky Doings on Instagram. You can find Spooky Doings Improv on Facebook. Even though we're not doing improv, it's podcast stuff and the occasional uh, meme that I put out there about uh, people should be still wearing masks and not going to the fucking beach because it's where water meets dirt. And just because you've been conditioned 
to behave a certain way when it gets warm and the sun comes out doesn't mean you actually have to do that. Remember Jaws, motherfuckers. But yes. Uh, yeah. Don't be the mayor, be the scientist. Exactly. <laughs> Don't be Vaughn, be Hooper. That's yeah. the kind of nerd I am. Thank you for joining us, Holmes. Thank you for having me. Best to you. Thank you for making all of this happen, Chelsea. Of course. And to all our listeners, stay good, stay healthy, stay spooky. Until next week. <laughs>